say that one more time.
with a heart of thanksgiving. Come on and praise him in the building. My soul shall magnify the Lord. 
Father, we look within the annals and the channels of your word, God, asking that you give us a word that will bring life and hope to our hearts. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. And right now, those who need a miracle, those who need a healing in somebody, if you need a healing in your body right now, will you lift your hand up? Well, I know we don't do this all the time, but if you will lift your hands up, the Bible says this. We don't have the power to heal, but God does. He says, whatsoever your heart desires when you pray, believe that you shall receive and you shall have it. Can somebody have enough faith to say, I believe? Oh, give God the glory he deserves. Right where you are, just worship him. 
chapter 5. The book of James, chapter 5. I don't know about you, but I never take for granted that because I walked through that door this morning that I'll walk through it again next Sunday. So while I have breath in my body this Sunday, some people might be on the clock, but thank you for letting me have that time. So is there anybody else like me that said, you know what, I'm going to borrow time. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So while I have breath in my body, I'm going to take this time to give him some praise. <laughs> Somebody left the doors of a church last Sunday and thought they would walk back in, but this time they're going to be rolled back in. That breath is no longer in their body, but while you have breath in your body, I hear the word of the Lord say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has delivered from the hand and redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If God has saved your soul, why don't you give him a praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you give the music department a hand clap and Turhan and all these people that are helping us to grow. As we grow, God is consistently blessing us. I want to say thank you this morning. I don't often say that, but as a pastor, guys, you don't know how much effect music and worship helps you to get into the presence of God. And we have a world-class caliber musician that's played all over the world, literally all over the world, and we're grateful that he's decided to be a part of our family. And we're grateful for him and for Haley and for all those who give. Why don't you give our music department a hand clap? We're blessed, y'all. Y'all ready for the word? Well, let's read James chapter 5, starting at verse 7. What does it say? Read it with me. It says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer awaits the precious fruit of the soil, how patient he is for the fall and spring rains. You too be patient and strengthen your hearts. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This morning, by this scripture, other related scriptures, and by aid of the Holy Spirit, we want to talk to you this morning from this topic, how to suffer well. <laughs> how to suffer well. You may be seated in the presence of God. Lord, speak your servants with listen. Give us the words to say to bless your people. Abide in us, O world of soul sharing. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise and also welcome our online family. You can do better than that for them. <laughs> Somebody says that those words seem to be an oxymoron, that they don't seem to go together suffering and well. How, pastor, do I suffer well? As a matter of fact, 
if you're like most churches, I thought that I would come to church so church could tell me how good I was and that if I only just believe, God would make everything turn in my favor before I left the building. And here it is that you are telling me that sometimes I need to suffer. How is it, Pastor, that I need to suffer? Well, I'm pretty sure in today's time, we know what it's like to suffer. If anybody has gone through the year 2020, you know what it's like. If, if you have not suffered the loss of a loved one, you know somebody who has. You've seen pain and suffering. If you've never faced the loss of a job, you, 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 if you've ever done that, you know what suffering is like. If you've ever faced a broken marriage, you know what suffering is like. If you've ever faced a chronic illness or disease, you know what suffering is like. And this morning, James is talking to us about suffering. And we ask ourselves the question, why would I be happy about suffering? Well, here's, the, here's something that I'm going to give you that's actually at the end of my sermon. It's unavoidable to suffer. In this life, Jesus said, you will have tribulations. I know we like to preach to people a lot of times that you touch three people and tell them I'm coming out with my foot on the devil's head. And sometimes you feel like... You're on top of the world. But has anybody ever left the sanctuary feeling like instead of me on top of the world, that the world is on top of me? <laughs> that I have every sort of problem and situation in my life. And James is talking to a suffering church. James, who will later himself die a brutal death. James, who will be thrown from the top of the Temple Mount down hundreds of feet to his death. James, who is in a situation in a culture that does not like God. He's in a situation and culture that is antithetical to, to peace and prosperity for those who name the name of Jesus Christ. James is in a place where Christians suffer. And what James is telling them, if you read the scripture at a glance, you would think that James is saying, just be patient until the Lord's coming, until the Lord returns one day, and that you'll be better in the, in the after, by and by. But what James is really saying is, James is saying, sometimes you have to be patient until the Lord shows up in your situation. When I was young, <laughs> they used to have an uh, old saying that said that he may not come when you want him to, but he's always on time. All of us have situations that we have to go through. And James is telling us about this suffering that you may have to go through. And he says, brothers, as an example of affliction, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord Jesus. I've come to tell you today that if you are going to be a biblical Christian, a biblical follower of Christ, why didn't I just say the word Christian? Because everybody who calls themselves a Christian is not a Christian. Jesus says, why callest thou me Lord, Lord, and you do nothing I say? But if you are going to hold to the truth of God's word, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he's born of a virgin, suffered under Pilate, he was born and buried and he died and was raised on the third day and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead and that holiness is right and sin is wrong and woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. I've come to tell you that you've got some suffering in your future. 
because the world does not receive the message that God has for us. The world does not receive that message. And James is talking about this suffering in James 5 and 10. He says, brothers, as an example of patience in suffering or affliction, he uses a Greek word called kakoaptia. And what that word means is literally to experience an unpleasant thing that God may help in the overall purpose that sometimes suffering has a higher purpose. I love to tell you that your life is always going to be good and nothing bad is going to ever happen to you and everything's going to go your way. But many times in our Christian walk, we don't listen to people when they preach the doctrine of suffering because our flesh does not want to suffer. Our flesh does not want to have hard sayings and hard trials, but Jesus himself said that if any man, Luke 9 and 23, would come after me, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross. I don't know if you notice it, but a cross is an instrument of suffering. He says you need to pick up this cross and die to self and follow me daily. In other words, if you're going to follow me, that you are going to suffer sometimes. But just remember, it's not about you. Everybody says it's not about me. Jesus even promises us suffering in this life. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. What is he saying? That you will not live in this fallen world without some tribulation. You will not live in this fallen world without some, some trouble. But I gave my life to Jesus and they said if I gave my life to Jesus things would be better. Better for your soul but you still live in a fallen world and sometimes you have to deal with hurt and disappointment and many people leave from Christ because they weren't given the full contract up front. What do you mean? That we sometimes tell people that when you come to Christ we only focus on the good we only focus on that you're going to have a new life we often say I looked at my hands and my hands look new and I looked at my feet and my feet look uh, did too and what that means is we are benefit based Christians we came to Jesus to make our life better most people don't come to Jesus until a lot of times they're at the bottom of the barrel and we are benefit based Christians where we look strictly for the benefits, but we need to look at the expenses. For Jesus says, what man builds a building before he first count up the cost to see if he has enough to finish it? In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're going to truly follow me, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to come after me, it's going to cost you something. Young kids that are in the room, I enjoy that you came to camp. I want you to give your life to Jesus, and I want camp to be even better next year with more and more children. But I want you to let you know, giving your life to Jesus is not a just a minuscule decision, but it's a life decision and it does not promise that everything in your life will be rosy but it does profit the promise that you have the prince of peace to comfort your heart in the midst of the storm this is problematic this thought of what Jesus said is problematic for modern day theological mindsets as many sermons end like a 90 minute action movie Guys can equate with that because we like action movies. We come in and there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and there's a plot and there's a struggle. And all of a sudden, the good guy faces the bad guy at the end. And he always has this nice little cheesy quote like, 
Oscar LaVista baby or something like that right before he pulls the trigger, right before he vanquishes the enemy. And then all of a sudden, no good action movie would be a good action movie without a car blowing up in the background as you walk away from the, from the scene. You're walking away real slow and slow-mo and a car is blowing up saying, I've overcome the enemy and I fought the battle. And this, this is what we think of sometimes in our Christian walk when we're in the struggles that we're always going to come out with, with fire in the background. We're always going to come out as the winner. We're always going to come out as the victor. But do you not know in the first century that some of the people that came out came out in the lion's den? Some of them came out burned at the stake. Some of them came out at the end of an axe to their head that this naming and claiming prosperity gospel is not the true gospel. Some of those people gave their very lives for Jesus. That's the faith that lasts. There was a bishop, uh, an apostolic father by the name of Polycarp, who lived in the first century. He was the bishop of Smyrna. He was an understudy to the apostles, so he's called an apostolic father. And it is said in tradition that he would not renounce the name of Jesus. And they put him on the stake to burn him alive. And tradition says that when they got to him, they said, we will let you save your life if only you will renounce the name of Jesus Christ. And Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, looked at them, and he looked at them with the fire underneath him, and them about to set him on fire. And rather than do what most of our preachers today would do, and preach a sermon that would make people happy or water down the gospel, he looked them in the eye, and he said, all my days I have served God, and he's not done me any wrong. And he would not renounce the name of Jesus, and he died at the stake. To us, that doesn't seem like a victory, but Jesus lets us know in the book of Revelation that those who give their life for the gospel will receive a crown of life in the end. Bless to you when all men persecute you and revile you and say all evil against you and for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven. I've come to tell you that in this time, this is not a time for coward soldier Christians. This is a time for people who are willing to stand boldly on the word of God. And sometimes the fight that you face will not be from without but it will be from within Jude the brother of Jesus tells us in his one chapter book that we should contend for the faith what does that mean he said we need to fight for the faith why do we need to fight for the faith he says because others have crept in unaware they're bishops and they're apostles, they're preachers and they're pastors. There are people that are in the body of Christ that are preaching a doctrine that God did not ordain. And they have crept into the body of Christ. That's why when we have cultural and civil unrest about the things of our day, when you say something biblical, you come under attack. Under these past few weeks, I have not been astounded at my friends that have criticized Christians that were non-Christians, but what has held me aback has been the criticism of biblical standing when a Christian stands on biblical principles and he is, he is reprimanded by another Christian because they have not held to true biblical orthodoxy, receiving persecution. 
How does this work today? That if you don't say the right thing, you may lose your job. If you don't say the right thing, you may get canceled. All sorts of things in this world that we face a different type of persecution. You might not lose your life, but you may lose something else for the sake of the gospel. But this raises a powerful question. When we come to receive God's word, do we come to receive a word that will enhance our happiness or enhance our holiness? For the word never said, without happiness, no man shall see the Lord. But it did say, without holiness, no man shall what? see the Lord. It's okay to come to church for hope. It's okay to find hope and peace in the word of God. But sometimes we are worried more about our happiness than our holiness and we will flock to people who tell us the stuff that makes us feel good but doesn't make us live good. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We flock to people who tell us. The Bible said they will flock to men who will tell them what they're itching ears want to hear and I'm not advocating that we should be a people that seeks to suffer all the time and never have hope but what I am saying is that every struggle in our lives God has ordained us to be in and guess what he doesn't always want us to run from our struggles but he wants us to go through our struggles yay though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I know it would be great if God sent his angels to take you out of every valley, but I've come to tell you, I've lived long enough to know some valleys God's not going to airlift you out of. You got to walk through that thing and you got to walk through it while you're praying. You got to walk through that thing while you're crying. You got to walk through that thing while you're doubting. You got to walk through that thing while you're hurting. You got to walk through that thing while you're about to lose your mind and say, yeah, though I walk through this valley, I will fear no evil. Not because you, because I'm, I'm all good, but because you are with me. You can give me victory in my valley. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going through this thing. Some of us get to the latter stages of life, and when we get to the latter stages of life, we realize that our body doesn't work quite as much as it used to. And sometimes fear will creep in to us thinking it's going to be your last day here. Don't worry about when your last day is here. It could be somebody 20 and it's their last day there. Don't let the, your body giving out on you make you give up on God. Go through the valley with joy. Go through the valley saying, I thank you for this moment that you've given me right now. I know my footsteps are getting shorter and my eyesight is getting dimmer and it's harder to breathe sometimes. And I wake up and have things hurt that I didn't even know that hurt. But I remember the word of God said, I will bless the Lord. Not just when I feel good, but I bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. With my hands lifted up and my heart filled with praise, with a heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O oh Lord. The doctors have given up on you. Why are you? The doctor said there's nothing else they can do. That's great. But I wasn't trusting in the doctor to begin with. With my hands lifted high and my heart filled with praise, with a heart of thanksgiving, 
I thank you for every second. I will bless thee, oh Lord. Some Christians don't know how to survive, and they don't survive because they have not been battle tested. They have not been tested. They don't want to go through anything, and they work their whole life to avoid hard times. They have worked their whole life to avoid struggle. But I've come to you to tell you that if you don't begin to get in the weight room and push your muscles, your spiritual muscles will atrophy. And by avoiding the struggle, you don't become stronger. You become weaker. Paul explains this to Timothy. <coughs> Sometimes it's in those struggles that God can produce something beautiful, not just for the benefit of our lives, but for the benefit of his eternal glory and his purpose. Paul, when he explains this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, he says this, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, preached as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Paul is saying, I'm suffering for for Jesus, and I'm bound for the gospel, but the gospel is not bound. Verse 10 says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Read these last couple with me. What does it say? This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Hallelujah. I like the old King James Version. It says this, that if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Oh, God, I wish I had some people that are willing to suffer with Jesus instead of just reigning all the time. You've got to be able to suffer before you can reign. They used to say it this way, no cross, no crown. You've got to be able to endure hardness like a good soldier to get a crown of life. Hallelujah. Paul is letting us know that Jesus will have some suffering attached for us. And I'm not sure all of us, can. we can all agree that if we profess to be a biblical Christian, sometimes you have to suffer from him. <laughs> Let's read verse 12 together. What does it say? If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, if you're willing to suffer with me, if you're willing to lose some friends, if you're willing to go through some hardness, I know it hurts you, senior citizen, to get up and come to church in pain in your body. But if you'll just suffer a little while longer, if you'll just come and give me praise and give me the best you got to give until that model wears out, I got a brand new model waiting for you in glory <laughs> that doesn't have any pains, that doesn't have any hurts. And every day you wake up, they say it was howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. If you just suffer with me, huh, you can reign with me. We don't just work for treasures down here on earth, but you, but I'm working for treasures in heaven. God has seated me, the Bible says, with him in heavenly places. God has changed my position and my authority, not based on me, because it says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. But it says this, if we deny him, he will deny us. I've come to tell you that you're too close to give up on God. Somebody say, you're too close. 
you're going through some things right now and life seems like it's passing you by and things seem like you don't get any peace and you're racked with pain and you're racked with psychological torment and you're racked with depression but you're too close to give up don't give up on God because if you deny him he will deny you <laughs> but here's the thing I like that sometimes my faith gets a little weak has anybody else's faith gotten a little weak and you know you've been waiting on God to do something and he hadn't done it and you got a little light of heart and said, God, you promised this, but it still hasn't manifested. And sometimes you act like Abraham and Sarah and you don't have the faith you need. But this is the thing that faith doesn't come from us. Faith comes from God. And that's why it says even when we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Even when we don't do right, he still wakes you up in the morning. Even when you don't do right, he closes you in your right mind. Even when you don't do right, he gives you a reasonable portion of your health and strength. Not because you are faithful, but even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Paul is letting us know that following Jesus may cost us something. In, the, in, the, in this epistle, just like he's coinciding with James, we have our life to coincide with this world to let us know that sometimes we're going to have to struggle for the cause of Christ. But Paul is telling us, just like James is telling us, that we can endure, endure suffering, ostracism, and criticism if we remember this one thing, if we suffer with him. We were reign with him. James said, consider a farmer. Why did James use a farmer in his example? This is why James used a farmer. Number one is because they're in an agricultural society and people will understand agriculture. But not only that, but those of you who've ever farmed or planted anything, no farmer plants a seed, walks away, and comes back in six months to see what's wrong. But what he does is he plants that seed, and every day he comes back and he tills the soil. <laughs> he looks crazy because he's tilling the soil over a dirt mound, and he can't see anything. As a matter of fact, when he sees weeds pop up, he pulls out the weeds. He pulls out all the things that would hinder, and he kind of looks a little bit psychotic because he is tending to something that somebody cannot see. But what you don't know is that the farmer knows is that although I can't see it, underneath it, my eyes can see there is something working beneath the surface and I've got to till the ground until the promise shows up. Hebrews tells us that the things that are unseen are manifested in the things that are not seen. That what's done in the spiritual realm will manifest itself in the physical realm when God's will seems fit. Why are you telling me that? Because you might be going through something and you're suffering right now and you wish your suffering would end. But what I'm telling you is don't just sit down, find fat, find fat and relax, but begin to till the soil. How do I till the soil? I till the soil on my knees in prayer. I till the soil with opening my Bible and studying his word. I till the soil by sharing the gospel. I occupy until he comes. And don't you know that one day God is going to produce something in my life if you just hold to God unchanging hands. So when you say that God says suffering is going to ensue, when we can't avoid suffering, we might as well learn to suffer well. If you got to do something, do it with all your might. You've heard me say a, a 
thousand times. If anybody has worked with me in, in, in any measure or done ministry with me, you've heard me say this phrase. If you have to, don't do. <laughs> so if you have to suffer, suffer well. <laughs> don't suffer with a frown on your face. Don't suffer giving glory to yourself and to the enemy and to your problems. But what you do, you suffer and let your suffering point to glory to God. <laughs> that I'm going through this, that but God still be praised. Job said it this way, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> you got to learn to suffer well. <laughs> the Bible says that when you when you, when you get ready to fast, don't come out looking like you're fasting with all your face dirty and a, a frown on your face. But when you're fasting, he said, clean yourself up. Look nice and look good. Although you're hurting on the inside and you're suffering on the inside and you're hungry, you need to make sure that you have gladness on your face because you don't want to use your suffering to give glory to you. You want to use your suffering to give glory to God. Suffering is going to happen whether you're saved or lost. Suffering is going to happen whether you're rich or poor. Suffering is going to happen whether you're black, white, red, or brown. Suffering is going to happen at some point in your life. I'm not going to ever lie to you and tell you that you won't suffer. But when you suffer, suffer well. Suffer in such a way that God gets the glory. Somebody says, well, how do I sustain through the pain? I feel happy through the highs, but I feel hollow through the lows. <coughs> James tells us to hold on. He tells us in James in 5 and 10, he tells us this, and I'll read it one more time because I really want you to get this. James 5 and 10, it says, brothers, an example of patience in affliction, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He uses the word there. Everybody said patience. patience. Hallelujah. Consider the prophets who worked in the name of the Lord. He uses a word there. It's called makrafumia. And what does that mean when he says patience? It, it actually takes two words, one being makro in the Greek and thamia being passion. And what does it mean? It means long passion. What does long passion mean? It means that I don't allow my emotions to get the best of me, that I learn how to have long suffering. I learned how to suffer long. I learned how to not just react to every situation when the situation is happening. We have to give sufficient time for the outcome before we explode emotionally. <laughs> you know, sometimes we emotionally explode and we get upset when things happen and we emote and act out of emotion. And that is not what God is calling us to do. God is causing us to suffer alone with all patience. God is calling us to deal with our situations, not in an emotional manner, but in a godly manner. And he is saying this. I want you to hear this and hear me clearly. I wrote this down, and I'm going to give it to you exactly how it's written down. It says there are some things at life that tear at our emotions. They sell us into sadness. They force us into fear. They lead us into anger. Long-suffering does not deny that those emotions exist. They just simply deny our emotions access to the driver's seat. In other words, when you're going through stuff, you're going to have 
some emotion. If you're going through withdrawal of pain, that pain is going to be there. And when you suffer long, it does not mean that you deny that I'm hurting. It does not deny that I'm in pain. It does not deny that there's sadness in my heart. But what it does say is sadness, I'm going to deny you an opportunity to direct my life. I'm not going to walk by feelings. I'm going to walk by faith. Because your feelings will always read you wrong. The Bible says they will lead you in a bad place. The Bible says that the heart is wickedly deceitful and no man could know it. When we're going through things and having to deal with all sorts of situations and all sorts of issues and all sorts of troubles, we know that God is working on us. Everybody look at me. The, the media team is working, but that's okay. I preached before I had TV screen. That's okay. They'll get it together. We know they'll get it together, what they're going through. But I want you to focus right now because I don't want you to miss that when you go through suffering, God will help you and enable you to endure. Have you ever been watching the news and social media posts and felt an overwhelming urge to respond? Somebody put something up on a post and immediately you felt angry. You got angry about it. You got upset about it. You said, how could you say that? How could you do this? And, and I asked you a question. You felt that overwhelming urge to act, but did you seek God to see if it was the appropriate time to respond? Because most of us, if we'll be honest, we let our emotions drive the bus. You made me angry, so I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. <laughs> you made me angry, so I'm going to give you what for. <laughs> you, you said something that I don't like, so I need to bless you by telling you what's really going on. I need to give you a few words. I know I'm supposed to pray for you, but this time I'm going to give you some words. Have you, have you ever said you were going to lay your religion down? I know that I need to talk sweet to them, but they don't understand sweet. I need to talk to them in such a way that they understand. That's your emotions driving the bus. That's not godly. And what I'm telling you is sometimes you got to deal with difficult people. Sometimes you got to be able to look at a Facebook post and keep scrolling. Sometimes you got to be able to look at the news and they say something that'll make you mad and say, oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> and keep on going. Why? Because you don't allow your emotions to drive the bus. <laughs> you have to have patience, long suffering. Patience means that like a farmer, we wait for the product while we're going through the process. Everybody say, wait for the, wait for the product while you're going through the process. Lord, they treat me bad, and I really wish that I could to give them one for. I wish I could give them some words in a tongue that, that is not a godly tongue, but it's a tongue I'm very good at. Have you ever heard people that, that cuss so good, it almost sounds like a tongue when it comes out of their mouth? They those type of sinners, and you say, I really want to, to cuss you out, but God is trying to make me a better person. So while I'm waiting for the product of God making me a better person and making me a more patient and forgiving person, I've got to be patient and wait for the product while I'm going through the process. <coughs> you did me wrong and I'm upset about it. You treated me bad, and I'm, I'm mad about it. <laughs> but I've come to tell you that it's not about you anyway. It wasn't between you and me that God is allowing this because God is trying to build up something on the inside of me. So go ahead and knock me down because the more you knock me down, God's going to build 
build me up. Though I go through the fire, I will come out as pure gold. You've got to learn to sow well. You, while, the, while the farmer is waiting for the product, he is going through the process of tilling the ground. Sometimes while you're waiting for vindication, <coughs> sometimes while you're waiting for things to work back in your favor, you've got to continue to be busy. I hear the book of Isaiah, one of the very first books I learned. My brother started a Bible study. He restarted a Bible study when I was young. And um, we would have that Bible study. And he, the first scripture he gave me was Isaiah 40 and 31. That was our memory verse. And I remember as a little boy but at reading that. But guess what? As I got older, I really realized what it meant. It says, for they that wait upon the Lord... He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But most times we think of waiting like this. Like we're waiting on our food. We're waiting that just happened. I told God I'm waiting on it to work to, for you to help. But when you see a waiter, another word for waiter is serving. They're there to serve. He's not talking for those that wait upon the Lord. He's talking about those that wait upon the Lord. God, things may not go my way, but I'm going to serve you anyway. Things may not be how I want, but I'm going to serve you anyway through this process because I know that all things work together for my good because I love you. You just can't wait upon the Lord. You got to wait on the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to do with me? What do you want me to do? Why are you allowing this to happen? Where are you trying to direct my path? Why are you closing this door? Why are you opening this door? Lord, direct my path. Show me how you want me to serve you best. You got to till the ground. Somebody said till the ground. And the last thing of the day, everybody said, we fight to the, the finish. <laughs> we fight to the finish. <laughs> James prescribes patience for his patience. <laughs> for those he, he's prescribing to, he says, patience is one way that you learn how to suffer well. You've got to build up endurance. You've got to be able to, to go through things. And sometimes you've got to deal with crying. You got to deal with suffering and you got to be able to endure that and pick yourself up and by the grace of God keep going and getting being faithful to him. Sometimes when you don't feel like being faithful. I read something that helped me in my gym struggle. It, it began to tell us tell me that I was reading it and I'm paraphrasing but it basically says this that you'll never do anything if you're waiting to feel motivation. Most times, if you'll get up and do what you don't want to do, motivation follows action. Everybody say, motivation, motivation. follows action. <laughs> I don't want to forgive. Well, go over there and do something good for them because motivation follows what? Action. <laughs> I don't feel like coming to church today. I don't feel like praising God today. My life is turned upside down. Well, go especially today and praise him extra hard today because motivation <laughs> follows action. Feelings to drive the bus just because you're suffering is not going to stop what you're going through. But you got to go through it anyway. You might as well go through it with a praise on your lips. You might as well go through it with a song in your heart. You might as well go through it with a dance in your step and say, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. 
awesome things that tear at our emotions. But the last thing I want you to say it with me one more time. Say, we fight, we fight. to the finish. <laughs> this Christian race is not a, a race where you get to start and you get to stop. <laughs> you Once you're in and you've locked in and you've signed the contract and you're in the war, you don't get to get out of the trenches in the middle when bullets are flying over your head and say, I think I'll go home now. <laughs> and this is a little bit more. Brother Ernie had special special services, and, and Brother Dave had special services. He's out preaching today, but I listened to them talking about how they jump out of planes, and that's why I never joined the military, because when you're up on a plane and they tell you you got to jump out, there's no choice to say, I think I'll go home now. <laughs> it's too late. It's only one way down for you. It's another way down for the plane. But your way is out of the bay door. Whether they push you or however they go, you going out, you've got to go through life. And there's no way that Christians can look at life. And this is the problem with us. We soak and we sow. And we have a pity party. And we sit in our feelings. But you were in the battle. You didn't, God didn't tell you this. You told him that I will follow you wherever you go. And now that it's getting a little hard on you, don't you dare give up on him. You already ready to come out of the plane. Don't you think you'll go home now? It's sink or swim. You gotta jump out on faith. If you gotta suffer, you need to suffer what? Well, suffer giving. Glory to God. Let's pull up 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 through 11 and we're gonna read this and we're gonna read and stop some. Let's read this together. What does it say? Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, you are in a battle. And you can't let your feelings drive the bus. You have to be sober minded. You have to let the word of God control your mind. I know your mind comes up. If you if you like me, when things happen, your mind comes up with all sorts of scenarios. And all of those scenarios are the worst cases situation. Has anybody ever done that? <laughs> Everything you think could be. The doctor said, mm. what, why are you saying, mm? I, I just see something. What do you see? <laughs> you always think of the worst case scenario. You don't work with those things. But what you do is you be sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour you. What does it say? How do we fix that when we're going through things and the enemy is trying to persecute us? Verse 9, read it with me. What does it say? Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The world says, the word of God says, brethren, that nothing has come unto you but such as common to man. In other words, we feel like when we're going through, we want to give up. Because we feel like we're the only person that's ever gone through it before. We feel alone, but I've, I've served notice to you. You're not the first person to get a bad report from the doctor. You're not the first person to go through a divorce. You're not the first person to lose a job. You're not the first person to have a health scare. You're not the first person to have people turn on you. You're not the first person to be betrayed. And you will not be the last. But what you need to know is that you have a fellowship of brothers and sisters who are suffering right there along with you. And instead of giving in to the inclination to be sad, broke and disgusted, you need to get up and you need to fight. That word resist literally means to fight. Everybody said fight. fight. 
you got to fight like your life depends on it. I know you want to be depressed, but you don't have time to be depressed because if the enemy gets you down, he doesn't play nice. He goes for the kill shot. So you got to keep on what? Fighting. I guess I'm going to preach about our brother Ernie today. Brother Ernie's a five-degree black belt, and he knows that the one thing you do not want to do when you're fighting is get on the ground and become vulnerable because once the enemy takes away your center of gravity and gets you down, you are right there ready for the kill shot. The enemy is trying to get you depressed. He's trying to make you stop coming to church. He's trying to make you stop having faith. You can't allow that. You've got to resist him. You've got to fight. Fight like your life depended on it. Let's go to the next verse. Two more verses and we're done. Sirhan, you can go ahead and come. Praise team, you can go ahead and come. It says, oh, I love this. Let's read this together. What does it say? And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you praise team and drummers you can come come on that, that, that that's a good scripture right there and he says what to him be dominion forever and ever amen everybody says suffer a little while Paul says that I reckon that the present suffering of this age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed you can't stop suffering. But you can learn to suffer well. Sometimes God heals you by giving you a miraculous healing and heals your body from head to toe. But guess what? Sometimes God doesn't do what you want him to do. Sometimes God's healing comes in eternal healing. But while you have breath in your body, learn to suffer. We can't count our breasts in our body, but with the breasts you have, give him praise. Drummer, come on. Give him glory. I was wondering why God put this song on my, on my heart so heavy as I began to talk about suffering, because that's how you suffer well. Job showed us how to suffer well. Job, you've lost everything. He says what? The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know, the doctor said you only have so long to live. The Lord giveth <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know, they say they're closing your job down and you're going to run out of resources. Guess what? The Lord giveth <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, you, your, your ministry is finished. Your life is finished. You're at the end of your life. And, and, and your significance is going away. No, it's not. The Lord giveth, and it's his to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you know what you do when you're going through? You know how to suffer through, suffer well. You raise your hands and say, I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord.
thank you for your glory. We thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. We come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts that no matter what we're going through, God, let you get the glory out of it, Jesus. Whatever's going on in our life, let us not point glory to us, but glory to God our Father Almighty. To him be glory. To him be dominion and all power forever and ever. Lord, get the glory out of my sickness. You know what, Mother Mabel? God is blessed. You know why? Because even though you don't feel your best, you still show up and you sit in that seat. And that gives us glory. You say, God is better than my sickness. When you're going through and you lift your hands up, you say, God is in my situation. So one last time, when you're giving praise, and say, with my hands lifted high, with my hands
off of this place. I will be excellent at all times. And this place shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, hallelujah. Come on and bless me. Oh, come on and praise him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I want you to do me one favor. You got to practice it when you don't feel it. When I give you to the count of three, I want you to praise God from your belly. I want you to give him everything you got. I want you to think about your sickness, your sadness, whatever you have, and say, you are not bigger than my God. And I want you to give him the biggest praise that you ever gave in your life. One, two, three. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and praise him. Come on. I've learned how to live. 
Oh, we lift it all, Lord. 